Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. I'm your host, Kristen Lighty, and tonight I'm very excited to have with us, all the way from California, where I hear it's warm, it's Jordan Morris. Hello. Hi. Yes, I'm talking to you in my shorts and my half shirt, sipping Jealous. my margarita. <laughs> I've got one of those big, um, when people are like tanning in 80s movies, they're holding those big foil fold-up things. What are those called? Anyways, that's what I'm holding. <laughs> Yeah, it looks, on my tan. it looks luxurious. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. We are about to get two feet of snow tomorrow. So <laughs> oh, boom, boom. Well. I've learned to love it though. You get to sit home with a good book. It's, it's okay. Yeah. I, you know, it's uh, you get to layer. That's fun. Who doesn't mm-hmm. love dressing in layers? You can experiment with cardigans. And I'm of the age where canceling plans is like my favorite thing. So it's, it's a win-win really. Oh yeah, sure. I guess inclement <laughs> weather is a good, is a good reason to like cancel a coffee. Yeah, definitely. Hey Jordan, why don't you tell the people a little bit about uh, what you do? Yes. Uh, I am a writer and podcaster. I co-host a podcast called Jordan Jesse Go. It's just kind of a uh, a very podcast 1.0 podcast. It's just kind of a goofy chat around show with my buddy Jesse Thorne. And we have a guest every week and we shoot the shit. Um, so yeah, we started it 15 years ago when that was oh, wow. the only kind of podcast. So <laughs> you people with your formats and your <laughs> focus. <laughs> I Your love reason to listen. <laughs> so yeah, I do that. And I also uh, write for a variety of things, uh, a lot of TV, some animation, uh, but also comics. I've been getting into comics lately, uh, which is just a, a very literal childhood dream come true. And I did a graphic novel called Bubble uh, that came out uh, a bit ago. With uh, I wrote it with a great writer named Sarah Morgan, a brilliant comics artist named Tony Cliff did the art. And uh, now I am working for the fine folks at Archie Comics for their Archie Horror line. If you haven't picked up Archie Comics in a while, they have an awesome line of comics where those familiar Riverdale Riverdale characters, uh, Archie, Jughead, Betty, Veronica, etc., get placed into these kind of like classic horror scenarios. And I'm just such a huge fan of the line. And uh, yeah, I've been doing a little writing for them, which I can talk about later in the plug section. So yeah, these are these are some <laughs> things that I do. Thank you for respecting the outline. <laughs> oh, I would never go against the outline. Never. Awesome. Well, thank you. All for hail sharing. the outline. Yes. Thank you for sharing all that. We'll put the links in uh, in for this episode as well, so people can check it all out. Thank, uh, thank so, you. Jordan, what is your connection to horror? So, I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to horror. I was a very timid kid, and we definitely didn't have a lot of horror on, you know, around the house when I was growing up. So, like when I was like exposed to horror it was kind of like socially. It was like, I'm at a sleepover and we're going to put on a horror movie. And, you know, and then I I kind of started high school in the mid nineties when like Scream brought back horror. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of dormant. It was something for nerds. It was something that was like direct to video. And then once Scream was this huge hit, you know, all these horror movies started flooding back. I don't know if that's exactly the narrative, but that's what it is in my head. So like, I I grew up in Orange County, California, where there are a lot of giant malls with movie theaters. So, so like, that was the social activity, you know, like, go to the mall, see a movie, go to the mall, see a movie. Um, Maybe you go to Cheesecake Factory afterwards. Mm, um, mm-hmm. you know, this is uh, 
This is life in Orange County. So just like for the purposes of socializing, I kind of had to get brave about horror movies. And it took me a while. I was really, really scared by the first, you know, batch of them I saw in theaters and definitely like terrified when people would put them on at sleepovers. So I kind of like had to, you know, I, I had to like build up an armor and kind of like get familiar with the tropes and the fun of horror because when I started, I was kind of, you know, doing it through gritted teeth. I mean, very literally, I was gritting my teeth out of fear. Um, and what made you want to like put on that armor and, and embrace it? Was it like you wanted to fit in or is it something that you yeah. knew you wanted? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, you know, the, the, the thing with horror is that it repels us, but it also draws us in, you know, it fascinates us. So I, I think I had a little bit of that going on where like, you know, for instance, uh, a movie I could not stop watching as a kid was Roger Rabbit. And I love that movie, but it scared the shit out of me when Judge mm -hmm. Doom's eyes pop out, when they they put the tiny squeaky shoe into the death dip. Uh, like these yes. But I, I was still like super connected to that movie. And I think part of the reason why it like lived in my brain in the way that it did was because of the scary parts. So, you know, I think I was drawn to horror in that way, but also, yeah, there was just a pure... This is what all my friends are doing. All the kids are going to see Event Horizon this weekend or <laughs> Urban Legends or, you know, I Know What You Did Last Summer, you know, name your 90s horror movie. They were all going to see that. <laughs> so if I wanted to go along with the group, I had to like, you know, I had to like grow a pair. Mm -hmm. I have very similar feelings about Pinocchio. I remember, I think oh, I was like yeah. five when I was taken to see it. And I just remember looking around and thinking, I am a child. Why did you take me here? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, I remember also in that, having that reaction, like, I am a child. What are you doing to me with the movie <laughs> My Girl? Do you remember oh, yeah, My Girl? Yeah, yeah. Macaulay Culkin, hot off Home Alone, is in this kind of like period dramedy where he dies from being stung by bees. He's allergic to bees, and his character gets stung to death. And I just remember crying in the movie theater and having that same reaction. I'm like, I'm a kid. You told me this was a kid's movie. It has <laughs> Macaulay Culkin in it. He's supposed to be setting traps for the wet bandits, and now he died because of bee stings, and his friend is crying over his casket. Yeah, that was such a betrayal. Yeah, and I think a lot of the movies of our youth like kind of had those moments where where it was like, oh, this is like a lot for a kid. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 90s kids. <laughs> yeah, 90s kids. <laughs> Do you remember the first horror movie you saw? The first one I remember being like upset by. I was over at the Gaspar's house. Those were our neighbors across the street and they had a lot of horror movies. Um, and I think they put on Poltergeist and oh, it, yeah. I, I think I maybe even like just saw some of it. It might've even just been on in the other room. It could have been like that the older kids were watching it and I saw some of it, but like the Poltergeist images, like getting sucked into the TV scared me so bad. I was so scared of it. Yeah, and it took me a long time to rewatch that movie. And when I finally did, I'm like, oh, this is this is kind of cheesy. Like this is kind of a campy horror movie, but like at the time it really like got its claws into me. And I also have a memory of watching some sort of like history of horror thing on TV. And maybe as a 
as someone who is very into this stuff, you will know where this clip is from because I sure don't. I remember seeing a clip on on some sort of you know anthology type thing where it's a man and a woman and they're gonna go to kiss and then she shoots out her tongue and it strangles him like she has a giant monster tongue that strangles him. And I uh, I don't know what movie that is from. It is probably like <laughs> a ridiculous horror comedy and not actually scary. But that image was in my head for a long, long time as a kid. I guess it is still in my head because I can call it up. That's but, so wild. Uh, I have one as well. It's like a claymation movie of one yeah. of those. Uh, I, I forget the name of it, but it's like a mythical creature that was created in the Philippines. And it's like a half torso with wings. And it, oh, uh, is this that Mark Twain thing where the the oh. the there where Mark Twain takes kids in his like magical time machine? Anyway, that's a creepy ass claymation thing from when we were kids. Maybe oh yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's that because he's eating okay. people. But I'm like, what is this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if any of the listeners know, feel free. To <laughs> yes. Help, yeah. Help please us hit us up in the mentions. Where Where are these traumatic <laughs> clips from? <laughs> Fix our childhoods. Okay. All right, so for us to talk about tonight, Jordan has chosen the 2002 film Resident Evil, which I got to say, favorite movie based on a video game that I've ever seen. Um, yeah, it's it re yeah, I mean, obviously that's kind of a, you know, damning with faint praise a little bit because video game <laughs> movies historically have been so 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 bad, but I do think that this is a legitimately cool horror movie and definitely like the first video game movie that worked. Yeah, definitely. So this movie is over 20 years old. This movie could drink if it was a person. So oh we will be going full spoilers. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. Get on it. Come on. Yeah, it's the I story. Watched this on, I watched this on DVD. I own the DVD. Oh, wow. I um, cannot find a DVD player to save my life, but. <laughs> <laughs> They're out there. You got to dig through the right goodwill. But yeah, you can, you can, you can find one. Exactly. Well, this is the story of the Umbrella Corporation essentially ruining the world with their virus, the T-virus, which spreads in an underground layer called the Hive and kills everyone there. We think kills everyone, and they come back to life as zombies. Chaos ensues. And yeah, so Jordan, why did you choose this movie? You know, like, it, it's a little bit of a pop culture hot take that I have. And I know that, you know, when you do these kinds of shows, uh, I'm I'm sure... You have many guests who want to do stuff like Get Out and Hereditary <laughs> and all these objectively great horror movies. But yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I think I have a hot take in that the Resident Evil franchise is a ton of fun. I really remember seeing this movie in theaters. I think it has so many great moments. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's an example of like a video game movie done right. And I think it just spawned kind of a cool franchise that I'm honestly sad is... Sad is gone. I, I love that every couple of years we kind of just got a hooky B movie starring Mila Jovovich that came out in February and was just kind of a stony good time. And you could rely on it playing on Sci-Fi Network on every Sunday, you know, until the end of time. Yeah, it, it's a fun franchise. And I think this one in particular has some really like smart, cool, funny horror stuff in it. I agree. I really like this movie. I feel like this was kind of uh, a movie I saw when I was figuring out who I wanted to be as a person. It was the year before I went, decided to go back to college to start working with unions and like fight evil corporations. And oh, now yeah, sure. I just got to say um, corporations <laughs> more evil than ever now. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> this this movie, uh, you know, maybe knew some things that we didn't at the time. Uh, yeah, definitely that that part of the satire has aged really well, unfortunately, I guess. Yeah, especially like topically thinking about what's happening in Ohio right now with Norfolk Southern train line just dumping you know, uh, over what, 500 tons of toxic sludge into God, yeah. East Palestine and contaminating our water. And, uh, you know, let's hope it doesn't get in the Great Lakes, but hey, it probably will. And, you know, they had three or $3 billion in profit last year, and they're trying to pay people a $1,000 stipend for the absolute havoc they've created in this town. And, uh, it just feels like this movie was telling the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Anyway, it does seem like if there is some sort of apocalypse, it will be because some corporation just fucked up and accidentally released a doomsday weapon. I guess there's some sort of like profit terrorist involved in the, you know, spreading of the disease here. And and the way in which the corporation like heartlessly assassinates everyone who they think might be exposed is like genuinely shocking and scary. Mm-hmm. You know, I always really appreciate conspiracy theory weirdos for the fact that they believe that the government or corporations can do anything effectively, really. I, I do kind of feel like the apocalypse will just come from incompetence and greed, but. <laughs> Not a bad theory. Not a bad theory. <laughs> Welcome to my super depressing podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what what themes jumped out at you in this movie? Um, I think, like you said, there, it is kind of sat- satirizing, you know, corporate greed and, and taking it to its, uh, you know, science fiction horror extremes. And I think, yeah, we've covered it. That works well. It's truer now than it was then. Yeah. And, and you know, I think there's something in – I always love a scene when – someone realizes they're a secret killing machine. Um, you know, <laughs> the Bourne movies, great, but I think this is the greatest, oh my God, I just remembered I'm a secret killing machine scene in movie history when uh, Alice, played by Mila Jovovich, gets the part of her memory back that includes fighting skills. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like that as just like a moment and I like it as a cool moment, but I think there's something in there of like realizing your potential, like realizing that you have superpowers like uh, we, we all do we all have things we're great at and you know they are sometimes things I dormant and they are some things that we believe in but yeah but they're there and they're in our brains and I kind of like that idea of like discovering your hidden potential and I think that you know there's something kind of cool about that of like learning about yourself and what can I do and how can I change you know I think this movie shows characters like because they lost their memories, they can kind of like start from scratch a little bit. And I think there's something to, you know, realizing that you don't have to repeat yourself, that you can make a different choice, that you can be a better person. And I think that that those themes are in this movie. And yeah, I, I think there's kind of like a we we grew up in the time of AIDS and HIV, and there's there's still a lot of like fear around sex. I think that this movie like has some sex in it, but it also has this kind of weird horror element to where it is suggesting that like sex can kill you. There's a lot of like, like there's the characters who have a sexual relationship, but everybody else in the movie is 
just kind of like weirdly horny for each other. Maybe not weirdly. It's an attractive cast, but <laughs> but you you have a lot of people like giving each other looks and making sexual innuendo and like every time something, you know, it, it looks like something is about to happen, zombies or mutant dogs or whatever pop up and try and kill them. So I, I think there's something I don't know. I, I I might be I might be a little too deep. I might be digging in the wrong place, but it does seem like there is something in this movie about like still kind of of sex and maybe it spreads a virus maybe you know it allows a double agent terrorist to you know have influence over us but whatever it is it, it seems like there's some like sexual anxiety in this movie that i think like resonates with me because i grew up you know with a lot of like aids hiv education and not all of it was great and there was a lot of like fear-mongering that kind of went along with it and and you know it was trying to make people responsible but also like spreading some bad information so yeah i i when i when i watch this movie i i see i see those things popping up yeah it's almost kind of as if like matt and spence are sort of dueling for alice's courtship in a way yeah which it does feel a bit odd considering, you know, one is a secret assassin to protect the hive and one is an environmental activist. Right. I don't know. I think it also kind of speaks to like how in the past there always has to be a romantic lead or interest or just some right. kind of romantic bent in the film. Like a woman just can't be, you can't just be a secret assassin. You got to be. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> And it, yeah, it seems like maybe modern movies, you know, don't have to have that requisite sex scene or that requisite romantic plot these days. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this plot was like crowbarred into the movie because, you know, some executives like we got to get the broads out. We got to get the broads buy tickets too. you know, I don't know <laughs> if that was part of the motivation. But yeah, it, it, it is interesting that like Alice, who is hyper competent, you know, also has a weak spot and it's and it's. And it's the fellas. Yeah, I really appreciated that the device of having temporary amnesia as a disruption for Alice to kind of, I feel like in a way she saw her partner Spence for who he really was. Like, granted, they were like fake married, but, you know, they were right. also like intimate with each other. Yes. Yeah, I, I think, and, and I don't think we get the whole story of this, but it, it it seems like the movie is suggesting that they were fake married and like, the day the virus got out was the first time that they ever like went for it, you know, like finally, you know, they've been these double agents this whole time and they finally like got it on for the first time. And that's when the virus got out. I don't know if that's exactly the story of the movie, but um, it seems to suggest that's what it is. Also kind of funny that their wedding rings have property of um <laughs> umbrella corporation engraved on the inside. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> like, like umbrella is so cheap that they will take back the fake wedding rings and give them to the next fake couple. Like, hey, don't try and take the ring home after you've gotten another assignment. Anyway, just <laughs> the, yeah, the satire in this movie is a little juvenile sometimes, and it's like so on the nose. Anyway. Yeah, we're a family here. We don't steal from each other. Yeah, right. <laughs> and also, the theme jumped out at me. You got to sign out the ring. You got to. <laughs> Let's go ahead. I would say the theme jumped out at me of taking your job too seriously. Yeah, you got to have a work-life balance. You got to have hobbies. You can't just be all about protecting the hive. <laughs> what 
what do you do outside the hive? You know. Right. You have a book club, uh, taking up macrame, a lot of fun hobbies out there. I would honestly love to watch a movie about a secret assassin book club. Right. And it's, you know, there's there's it's not about the assassinations. It's about the friendships we make in our book club, (laughs) reading (laughs) Wuthering Heights. (laughs) So with the two characters of Matt and Spence, uh, what kind of jumped out at me is this idea of, you know, in politics, it kind of boils down to organized people and organized money. And I think it was Spence who said the line, like, people like Matt will never change the world. And, you know, obviously, as a union organizer for the past 15 years, I'm very much on the team of organized people. But what do you think the movie was trying to say? No, I don't know that the movie super coherent argument about like activism, you know, <laughs> yeah. it maybe strikes me that like they put it in because it was like trendy at the time, maybe like environmental activists were in the news. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that 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 it suggests that Alice and you know, the environmental guy. Side note, this movie has a little bit of a generic white guy problem in that we have a few <laughs> generic white guys who look very similar. Um, and not, you know, not a ton of personality on the extended cast. So it's a little bit easy to get them confused. But I mean, I think the movie is suggesting like Alice and, you know, the environmental guy have their hearts in the right place. They're doing the right thing. Umbrella is bad. And then the kind of mercenary dude who is just in it for the money, he's the one that fucks everything up. So I I, I think that's kind of where the movie stands. But I don't know that it's trying to make that point. It's It seems kind of tossed in haphazardly. Um, So I'm mm-hmm. not sure the movie's thinking about that in that way. I don't know. But maybe. Did you, did you have a feeling about it? Um, You know, I kind of felt the same way as you, as it was a little muddled, but I feel like because our heroes were on the side of, you know, doing the right thing for the environment, that that's maybe where the film wanted you to go, but they weren't going to be pushy about it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's a very, very general environment good message. (laughs) Environment good, corporation bad. (laughs) Corporation bad, yes. (laughs) Did any other themes jump out at you? Let's see. Anything? I mean... There's a lot of good people sacrificing themselves in this movie. There's a lot of good, like, you know, people realizing that they could get bit by zombies. I mean, every zombie movie has the, like, kill me, you gotta do it. But this mm-hmm. movie has some great ones. And yeah, and I always kind of like that. You know, the zombie movie always has great moments for the, like, sacrificing yourself for the greater good. Um, and yeah, those are always kind of fun when they pop up. Yeah, I loved Kaplan's the or Kaplan's story throughout the movie uh you know when he's like backed up onto that pipe and he's got one bullet left and you're thinking yeah. <laughs> I mean I know what I would do but you know that <laughs> it's just me and then you know we see him he's there he killed a zombie and he he comes back again too and it felt very victorious yeah I was gl- glad to see Kaplan that character I don't really know anything about <laughs> but yeah his moment on that pipe when he's, you know, getting them to, you know, run away and not worry about saving him. That's a good moment. And Michelle Rodriguez demanding that her head be chopped off with that fire axe. Oh, I mean, she's awesome in everything. I'm, I'm sad she has to die in everything. Although she did come back in the Fast and Furious franchise, to be fair, in a plot move that made no sense. But I mean, who cares? It's those movies. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, her, her, her like realizing she's going to turn and then 
also the Red Queen, the AI. I guess that's something else in this movie is like AI is evil. That's yeah. fun. Still mm-hmm. in the news. Um, <laughs> but yeah, her demanding jobs. <laughs> her demanding that they chop off her head is like just like hilariously grim. It's so just like off the charts dark. Yeah, and I love it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I watch so many zombie movies and I get so irritated with the characters for not taking care of what needs to be taken care of. But like, I know if I was in that situation, there's no way I could do that to a friend. Like, yeah. Are you a cure? I know. Yeah. It's like a cure exists in this movie. It's, it's, uh, but I guess they don't find that out until, you know, three quarters of the way through anyway. Um, it's such yeah. an interesting watch too after because it doesn't feel like it was that long ago but it was 20 years and in regard to like how far technology has expanded yeah. like it's funny watching them on their computers and it looks like you know the systems you would see at the library now or something you know, just like so outdated right yeah <laughs> and the the computer screens all are very clear about what's going on it's like <laughs> weapon system activated <laughs> The computer screen really lets you know what's going on in a way that I don't think an actual computer screen would. But yeah, we got an evil AI in this movie. I love all the uh, Red Queen scenes. I think uh, giving giving the Red Queen the you know voice and holographic body of a creepy British girl is a fun move. <laughs> you're you're all going to die down here. Great line. Yeah, and that the AI has kind of a sense of humor is also kind of fun. There's that great hallway scene where oh. the laser traps are coming at everyone, and then there's a low one, and then there's a high laser, and then there's a laser grid that you cannot get away from. And it's it's just so funny that the AI sends those two fake-out lasers first to make you think you can get away and then just shoots the you know unbeatable grid at you. So just like funny and gross and uh yeah just, a, just i don't know one of my one of one of my favorite horror scenes yeah i love right before the grid hit him too it was like this slow motion phrase where he just says oh shit right <laughs> <laughs> i forget who that actor is but i always love seeing him in things uh he he pops up a lot in a lot of horror and sci-fi movies and he's always always a treat yeah definitely does a good job with that oh my god i just got sliced by a laser grid take <laughs> I feel like it really captured that like early 2000s angst of it all, you know, like the music yeah. is always like doo, 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 doo. everyone's <laughs> wearing like black rubber. And <laughs> yeah, it's the Matrix aesthetic. The Matrix aesthetic is still, I think, at this point, the coolest thing in the world. You know, it's <laughs> it's a little cringy now that you look back on it. And yeah, it's this music that they play in this movie, the kind of like post-Limp Biscuit new metal mm-hmm. is uh, some of my least favorite music when it comes on on the radio or in the mall or whatever. But like in the context of this movie, I loved all the disturbed and Rob Zombie sounding songs. Yeah, it's just so fun for this aesthetic. And um, again, not my favorite genre, but I think in the world of these kinds of cyberpunky, everybody's wearing leather movies, it really gets me pumped. Oh yeah, with their huge wrist calculators as well. Yes, was... yes. <laughs> it was wild to think of a world without smartphones. Oh, totally. Yeah, this is this is a smartphone-free movie, and uh, yeah, there doesn't seem to be any like mention of the internet. So yeah, definitely a fun little like nugget of time. Yeah, you know, I frequently think about like how terrible it must be to grow up now with the internet where everyone will have their awkward preteen years documented <laughs> forever. Like, right. And I would, and I, if I was a teen now, I would want to do 
all the TikTok dances. I would want to <laughs> stream myself playing video games. I would want to do every internet thing that I saw. I would immediately want to do it, and I would be so bad and annoying at it. So I am I am really glad that uh, that I grew up pre-internet. Um, yeah, really, really saved me a lot of a lot of a lot of pain down the line having to delete all the old TikTok videos. I'm sure I would have made. Yeah, I feel like I was embarrassing enough on LiveJournal, so that oh. is... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that stuff doesn't resurface in the same way a YouTube video does. So. No, thank God. Uh, so, what were your favorite parts, or do you do you even have a, a most favorite part? Sure. Yes, as I mentioned, Laser Grid, classic, <laughs> classic <laughs> scene, very cool. Um, yeah, I think there's some some just great horror imagery in this. There's a bit in the cold open, which I love, by the way. I love that cold open where they're executing everybody in in the office. And the fact that it all kind of comes back within the movie, I think, is really clever. It's like really, really clever screenwriting. Like the dialogue in this movie is pretty crummy, but the you know, kind of puzzle box nature of it, I think is is just a ton of fun. And yeah, I love it when, you know, one of those offices gets flooded in the cold open and later you see the flooded office and that body floats by. And then after all the characters are gone, the eyes open and that's when you know, yeah, the zombies are fucking coming. Uh, that I think is a really beautiful horror shot, but also just like a really fun way to let you know that like it's zombie time. Um, I Yeah. <laughs> I remember that seeing that on the preview and being like, I got to see that movie. Yeah. And yeah, there's like, and again, I mentioned the, uh, you know, Alice Mila Jovovich realizing that she has, you know, secret killing powers. That's a fun moment. And it, <laughs> the first time it, oh, I guess she like punches out a zombie. She does a bunch of karate on a zombie and she has this like, what am I, what did I just do? Look on her face. And then she gets attacked by the zombie dogs and she like, takes them all out except for the last one which she jump kicks so that's just a great like <laughs> you know what the fuck is going on moment and also just kind of a nod to the time you know a, a post matrix time when everything kind of had to have like some slow motion kung fu and you have to follow a bullet out of the gun to the target <laughs> <laughs> so it has a lot of that stuff that is uh, that is just really fun to look back on nostalgically and uh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Michelle Rodriguez is so good in this, demanding that her head being chopped off. There's a moment when she's like trapped somewhere and there's a bunch of zombies below her and she's like squeezing her blood out oh, onto yeah. the zombies going, yeah, you like that, don't you? Yeah, you like it. <laughs> yeah. She's so like aggressively sexual in this movie uh, in a way that's like such a blast. Yeah, she's she's I mean, I I absolutely love Mila Jovovich, period. But like in these movies, I think she's great. But like Michelle Rodriguez is the the other MVP of this, as far as I'm concerned. So good. Uh, yeah, those are those are some of my faves. It, is there anything I missed? What did what what other great stuff can we remember about this movie? Well, it's not really that important, but it is. it made me laugh kind of hard when Spence is stealing the virus. He is mm -hmm. like running out of the hive and he spills, accidentally bumps someone who spills their coffee all over themselves. And it's this yeah. guy and he's like, thank you. And I it was just like, oh, he probably thinks that's the worst thing that's going to happen to him today. <laughs> <laughs> right. And this guy is about to get crushed by an elevator. Yeah. I loved that. And then I loved the breakup scene between Spence and Alice. That was just, you know, brutal. The oh, I'm missing too. you already. And then Yeah. 
axe. Love that that comes back. Um, yeah, love love that she kills him with an axe. Yeah, have you did have you seen any of the other movies in this franchise? You know, when this one ended, I was like instantly hooked, and I was like, "You got to watch part two right now!" Because when Alice comes out to the empty city, it was like mm-hmm. it was such a cliffhanger. But I did not get to finish it in time. <laughs> but I do remember watching them in the early two thousands. Yeah, they're 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 a ton of fun. I I I think that this one is the best one. But yeah, and th- oh, that's also something something cool to mention about this movie and the franchise. They all have cool cliffhanger endings. They mm. all have a like, oh my god, I can't wait for the next one type ending. This one, uh, yeah, she like wakes up in the lab and realizes that the apocalypse happened while she was sealed in the lab, and uh, yeah, just grabs a shotgun out of a cop car and cocks it as the camera pulls back. Uh, just a you know about as yeah, that's that's as cool a way to end a movie as you can get. Yeah, and they all have some kind of similar like badass twist that 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 gets you pumped for the next movie. So, uh, oh, I yeah. remember being so pissed in the theater. <laughs> like, yeah, it would be interesting to do. I'm I'm sure this wouldn't be fun in practice, but it is interesting to think about. Like, would a movie theater show all of these movies in one day, and you could just like roll from the twist into the next movie would probably be exhausting and not a lot of fun actually but fun fun to think about i think it would be a fun day i'm in i'm in we'll do yeah yeah (laughs) i i i've I've enjoyed all of these movies to some degree and yeah i think i think watching watching two or three of them in a row could probably be fun you know i i want to circle back because i love the theme you brought up so much about like how this movie displays Alice discovering within herself. Have you ever had an experience like that where you just were like astounded by something you were capable of doing or? Oh, you know, I'm kind of experiencing a little bit of this right now. I am, uh, it's been a long time since I've been to college. I am 40, Um, but I am taking a like community college short story class. Yeah, as I mentioned, I've done a little TV writing. I've done some comics writing, but like never prose. Like I have not written prose since, yeah, probably college, you know, in uh, around the time this movie came out. But I like love reading prose and I love reading short stories. And it's always one of these things that seemed like such a magic trick to me. It seemed like you know, something that other smarter people did. And yeah, I've been taking this community college class where we have to write, you know, short fiction. And, uh, you know, I, I, I listen, I don't, I'm no Karen Russell. I'm, I'm no Marjorie Liu. I'm, these are some people who write short stories that I really like, but <laughs> it is fun when something kind of works. And it is nice to think that this is something I could do more of. And it's nice to, and nice to think that, this is something I I could maybe get better at. So yeah, that's 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 been a lot of fun, and yeah, it, it's always it's always nice to try a like piece of creativity that you that you think you could never do, and like kind of figuring it out is 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 really pleasurable. I guess I felt that way about comics. I guess like when I first started to do comics, it was like, oh my god, how does anyone do this? And like you just kind of learn about it you get some good advice you have some good collaborators you have some good helpers and then you you can kind of start to do it so yeah it's it's it, i don't know it's it's fun i am not a young man i have been doing creative stuff for a while but it, it's nice to nice to know that you can still pick up new stuff hell yeah that's awesome congrats on you know harnessing that and like really funneling it into what you're doing now why don't you tell us a little more about what you're working on uh, yeah so um the 
Archie comic that I mentioned uh, at the top of the show is called Pops Chocolate Shop of Horrors. It comes out March 22nd. I have a story in it uh, drawn by the great artist uh, Liana Congas. And yeah, it's 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 an anthology type book. It's three spooky stories set in the diner from Riverdale, Pops Chocolate Shop. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the, the directive from the from the editor. They just said like, we want spooky stuff to happen in the diner. Uh, what do you got? <laughs> and uh, yeah, this was this was so much fun to do. I'm I'm an Archie fan. I guess I, I read a lot of Archie comics as a kid because my mom read a lot of Archie comics. She loved getting them for us. She read them as a kid. So like, <laughs> you know, they were always around the house and I have like a lot of affection for these characters. And it was like fun to do a horror thing with them. Uh, and yeah, the, the Archie folks are really like um, lenient with what you can do with the characters. Uh, you know, you can just <laughs> kill as many of them as you want. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> They're very cool with it. Um, yeah. surprising. So I, yeah, I know, it, 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 especially in a day when, like, comic book IP is so, like, you know, valuable and, you know, something people kind of obsess over. It is nice that the company is just, like, have fun, do something cool. If nerds have a problem that it doesn't match up with the last thing, that's their problem. Yes, I don't know. It was, it was kind of fun to just have that have that freedom of just, like, do something funny and spooky and cool. And if, if we like it, then we'll make it. So yeah, it's, it's been really fun. And I, I, I think, uh, I think fingers crossed, I should have some more uh, Archie horror coming out uh, in, in the future ish, but for now pops chocolate shop of horrors that comes out March 22nd and you can pre-order it now uh, wherever you get your comics. Oh, that's so cool that you have that like family relationship to the comic line that you're working on now. Uh, what does your family think of that? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I maybe you can relate to this being a creative person, but like, there's always that element of like your family not understanding what you do. You know, like perhaps our parents' generation doesn't really know what a podcast is. You know, and I'm sure that like you have experienced this thing where you tell someone that you do comedy and then they tell you to go on Saturday Night Live. You know, oh yeah, some, good tip. Yeah, for some weird reason, <laughs> that is just everybody's go-to career for someone who is trying comedy is like, you should go on Saturday Night Live. Like you can just sign up to do it. Yeah, I'm sure um, they really want a 42-year-old woman. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's wild. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's really nice to like, to tell people about something and for them to get excited about it. And yeah, just like being able to tell my mom that I'm that I'm doing something with Archie. It's, it's, it's a real thrill. And I, and I think that like, my mom's affection for the characters is like not unique. I think that they are characters that like tons of people love. I mean, like Riverdale is this huge hit show. So the, these characters like endure. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that everybody has had some experience with them and it's, it's pretty, you know, I think they are beloved and yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of cool to tell people that you're doing it and to, you know, hear that excitement from them and definitely like letting people know about the Archie horror line is really fun. I think if you, if you are not a regular comics person, you maybe don't know that they're doing that. So it's been like really fun to spread the word about like Archie horror, because like, I think it's super cool. And like, there's so many great books in the line. They did a, um, just this month, they did a like uh, Betty as the final girl issue. Yeah, there's been some spooky stuff in the world of Sabrina. They did an alien abduction one. It's it's also cool. And uh, yeah, oh, I, I'm, I hope people, uh, when they're done checking out Pops, they'll check out some more. 
Yeah, that's so exciting. Did you make any choices that you like consulted with your mom on in regard to like comic character integrity <laughs> or or not really? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't run too much of it by mom. I think. I think. <laughs> I, I think mom will be shocked <laughs> that some fucked up things happen in the issue. <laughs> you know, very different than the malt shop misunderstandings that they had. You know, in their early days. But yeah, I, I think. I think. I think she'll dig it. Obviously, like the horror stuff can get kind of intense, but like there's still comedies. They're still supposed to be funny. And I think hopefully, hopefully mine has some gags people will like definitely in, in the series so far, they, they, they make sure to keep them funny. So I think that part of Archie will, will just always be around. So. Hell yeah. That's a huge accomplishment. That's so exciting. But yeah, no, it's, it's such a hoot. And, and yeah, like as a comics kid, it's like fun to, you know, get to work with established characters. It's really, really neat. Who is your favorite character? Oh, so I, you know, Archie aside, I was a mm -hmm. Spider-Man kid. So, like, um, I'm definitely all in on anything Spidey. I love that there's <laughs> so many Spider-Man movies coming out all the time. Yeah, and, it, and uh, you know, I, I was a kid in the 90s, so, like, obviously the X-Men were huge. Like, the, you know, animated series was on, the trading cards were a big deal, you know, in addition to the comics. So, yeah, I don't know, Spider-Man and X-Men, like you know, ruled my childhood in their own ways. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really fun to think about like what I would do with those characters had I the opportunity. Oh yeah. It's so fun to think about nineties comics. I was a big fan of Char uh, trans metropolitan. Oh yeah. Oh God. Oh Scud. I know. Where's right? Scud. Reboot Scud. I would watch that. Me too. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, this was so much fun. What a fun, fun excuse to get to rewatch this nutty movie. And yeah, fun to talk about it in a serious way. You don't, you don't get to do that too often. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's been so great to have you on. And we'll have a link to uh, the comic books in the episode and all the good stuff that you are working on. Uh, that's been Jordan Morris. I've been Kristen Letty. This has been Bloody Mary. Have a great night. Mm -hmm. Creepy.